Hello my friends, welcome to the Between You and Me podcast. My name is Jess Morris, I am your host, an Aussie journalist and expat and I am here to bring you an incredible episode with an upcoming artist called Ori. Are you ready to talk all about what happens when you grow up gay in the evangelical church? Let's go. friends welcome to the latest episode of between you and me and today is an episode that i mean it's fair to say i have been waiting all of 69 episodes to do this because when i started this podcast like you guys know i wanted to talk about the things that hurt heal and change us in evangelical culture through the lens of musicians right because there's so much of an underbelly in christian music and so much that goes unsaid in churches And in the end, we're all battling with stuff and all going through stuff, but we don't always talk about it because there's lots of shame and stigma, right? Well, one of those things that doesn't get talked about or gets talked about in a certain way is sexuality. And in particular, homosexuality. Now, traditionally, the evangelical church, and I would say very conservative churches, we've balked from conversation about it or we've just gone with a standalone slogan or dare I say placard that probably says something about God didn't make Adam and Steve but Adam and Eve and we tend to simplify something without actually looking into the soul or the heart or the eyes of another person someone who may or may not be going through something very different to what we've experienced we have a way of blockading the doors to the church by simply saying, oh, I'm sorry you feel that. Oh, I'm sorry that's who you are. You don't get a seat at God's table. And that's the exact opposite of Christ, the very Christ we meet in the Gospels. So one of the most important topics I wanted to cover when with this podcast is what it means to be LGBTQ in the church or out of the church. Um, and it's taken me a while to get here because there are systems and structures in place and powers in place that make this hard at times. And uh, even publishing an episode like this can come with a bit of fallout in Christian music, to be honest with you. Um, This is taboo, but honestly, this is human. And today I am introducing you to an incredible person and an incredible artist. And in light of his music, I just want you to meet Ori. Honestly, Ori is a Nashville-based pop synth musician. He has 80s and 90s tones infused in his music and his name offstage is Gregory Wingham. And I found him on Instagram uh, because we have a mutual friend, Sydney Garrett from Be The Change Collective. You guys will remember our episode where we actually talked about the pro-life, pro-choice debate. Um, and I realised that they knew each other and I saw, one, his music was awesome. It's really summer, joy-filled, hope-filled. God knows we need that in 2020. But very clearly he also speaks about faith, sexuality, music. Like this is a guy who is so open about who he is no matter what the cost. And Immediately that made me go, I want to know him. I want to know the story behind his songs. I want to know his heart because there is something 
powerful here. And that's really cool. I think when, and you'll hear it in this interview, I get really excited about his music. And it's because I think when you've worked through stuff in such a deep place and you've dug such deep wells and you've worked through so much pain and fear, when you come out of it, you come up from a place of this deep joy. For me, I would describe that joy as something from God or from the Holy Spirit. Um, and you might have your own words for that, but that's, that's what I experienced I experienced meeting a brother and it was the coolest Um, and I'm so privileged to bring this episode to you in light of the fact that in two days in America it is National Coming Out Day Um, and National Coming Out Day is a day to celebrate people who choose to come out as gay, lesbian, transgender, bisexual or any other number of identities. Before we jump into this episode and this Q&A, I think Ori's if you want to use a Christian word of testimony, whatever, it's so powerful in itself. You don't need a lot of commentary from me. Um, But if you're looking for a reason, because for some reason you don't think that we should be addressing this um, or you're uncomfortable with it, because I get that. I've, I've been in that place. I grew up in the evangelical church. I have had in myself elements of homophobia that I've only become aware of in the last seven years. So if, if this is uncomfortable for you or you're not quite sure where you sit on it, please know that I have been in your shoes. I'm not judging you, but what I would ask you, what I would beg you to do is to stay with me for this interview because I want you to meet Greg. I want you to meet Ori. This is about meeting someone made in the image of God who is incredible who has a story to tell about growing up in a conservative church, knowing he was gay since he was a child and being terrified to come out. Someone who literally was in a quite well-known Christian band and couldn't say a word about his sexual identity because you know what happens when we do that in Christianity. You just get excommunicated, right? Now, before we move forward, a heads up for all our friends who perhaps saw the explicit tag in this episode. Please don't panic. I want you to know that if there is something you are not comfortable with, that is okay. The F-bomb is dropped right at the end of this episode where I ask Ori what advice he would give to his younger self. So if you want to listen through to the whole thing and then just pause there or skip forward a few seconds, go for it. And if you've got kids in the car with you, you can also skip forward. But there is some really good, meaty, essential stuff in this interview so please don't just be put off by the explicit tag so guys if this is your wheelhouse if you were like yes i'm here for this enjoy this be inspired by this if you are uncomfortable that is your invitation i would say from god to sit down meet ori have coffee with someone who is simply by living a testament to what hope and perseverance and truth is my friends, that's enough for me. Meet Ori the artist. There are no shortages of acoustic pop singers from New England, but for Ori, the moniker of singer-songwriter Gregory Wingham, his point of difference has always been his tenacity and resilience. 
the singer from Bangor, Maine, was brought up in the evangelical church, and naturally, as he developed his style of songwriting, he leaned into this culture, forming the family band Rise and Run in 2007. They won multiple Battle of the Bands, and were known for Greg's strong, soaring pop vocals. Releasing their debut self-titled EP in 2009, over the next decade, Greg continued to spearhead the band, adapting to a change in members and the ever-evolving nature of the music industry. Rise and Run released their first full-length album in 2017. Named Isaac, they have songs like Wretch, Not Ashamed and Redeeming Grace, and they definitely stayed in the niche of the Christian music industry. The fact they featured on tours like Soulfest and Rock only helped the matter and they went on to open for bands like Unspoken, Meredith Andrews and Phillips Craig and Dean. Things seemed to be on the up and up for Greg and Rise and Run and after a successful stint of covers on YouTube, ranging from their version of Ed Sheeran songs to Holland and Shane and Shane, they dropped a covers part one album. The band planned to move to Nashville to continue their rise to success but momentum stopped and Greg was left in Nashville as a solo artist. It, it would be easy to say this is when Ori appeared. After all, the pop synth tones of Greg's solo act emerged with more power than ever before when he launched Ori earlier this year. But to be honest, Greg's journey to Ori has been much longer and it's only now we are seeing the fruit of it. And it started when Greg identified as being gay in a small conservative town and church nonetheless. So how can you be gay and in a Christian rock band that achieves success in the ultra-conservative Christian music industry? Well, honestly, it's near impossible unless you stay quiet. If you speak up, you are nearly guaranteed excommunication from your fans, the Christian music industry and labels, not to mention countless personal relationships you've developed over the years in your hometown and through the industry. Ori is the culmination of Greg's journey to becoming fully and completely himself. He came out officially two years ago after an extensive period of research, study and soul searching. And it is clear that Greg, or Ori, is now living the life he was made for. We still hear the compelling vocals he delivered in Rise and Run, but now they tell us stories chronicling his journey coming out, sharing light, hope and positivity with the world. Ori isn't a Christian artist, not in the way that Rise and Run was. You'd be hard pressed to find a song about God slaying him in the Ori catalogue. But you will hear honest retellings about exploring faith and spirituality, grappling with darkness and suicide, and finding the courage to be truly, wholly, authentically yourself. National Coming Out Day in the USA is this October 12, and I am honoured to introduce you guys to Gregory Wingham, aka Ori, the tenacious, talented, brave, and openly gay pop singer who isn't scared to ask the tough questions. Guys, you're about to make a new friend. Ori, Greg is awesome. This is Ori. For people who have never heard your music before, uh, and I'm excited that they finally get to because I came across your Instagram and was like, I like this sound. This is summery and hopeful and God knows we need it in 2020. Who is Ori? <laughs> oh, Ori in 2020 is a 30-year-old kid who has a lot of um, emotional energy to get out and he is finally able to do it for the first time in his life. Um, Ori is a symbol of hope and light in the way that he always needed it to be um, growing up but, but didn't really know exactly how that would manifest itself in his life um, until the age of 
28, 29, and 30, uh, which I really coined as the trilogy coming out years, because um, it didn't really just take me a day, it took me years. And so now Ori is birthed into this um, new pop electro, um, you know, inspiration of 80s and 90s um, modern music that I just want to conjure feelings of hopefulness and positivity and love and security and confidence um, in areas that I, I just see in, in uh, people of my generation that don't always have it. I want to equip people with those emotions and feelings. So that's what my music hopes to do. That is what Ori is yes. in 2020 amidst yes. the pandemic and <laughs> yes. always evolving. Um, as, as someone who landed on your Instagram page and listened to your music, I'm happy to say it definitely does that. You definitely put that into your music. Good. That's really cool. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, uh, you know, for me, I have a I have a strong connection with just the sound of, a, of music. Um, in some ways, I'm actually more drawn to like the music piece of a song than the lyrics. So whenever I write, it's always supposed to do something in me. If I don't feel something from it, or I don't feel one of those emotions that I just described, whether it's thoughtfulness or provocation or positivity or, or you know, heightened sense of elation, then I kind of discard it. So I don't do anything with it. I just throw it into the C file of my computer and say, all right, next one. So I'm really happy to hear that you connected with that song so, so well. term brands I know social media came out was earlier this year um, that you started right. your Instagram um, yep. so can you tell me what the journey was to becoming Ori who you are and the musician like how did you get to this spot because I know you're in Nashville at the moment that's right so the story is fun right because I for some people may know this about me but others may not but I'll I'll kind of um, keep a summarized uh, story here. Um, Becoming Ori started actually years ago uh, with a strong love for music, a love for music that was so great that me and my brother and one of our best friends started a band. Back in the time, this band started around 2007, 2008, I would say. And we did that for probably 10 to 11 years. Um, we yeah. just had our own little acoustic band and it was great. We actually brought in members as it went on. Well, um, 
you know, as time would go on, you know, our sound changed and I had started writing songs probably in 2017, I would say. I started writing songs that just didn't fit the genre of the band I was in. I would say we were in like an acoustic pop rock vibe. Um, but the music that I felt like I wanted to write just wasn't fitting that. And I didn't really know where it fit. I just knew that it wasn't fit for that band's brand. And so I just tucked them away. I just threw them into the side, you know, and said, okay, maybe one day I'll get to those. And then it wasn't until it just happened to um, come out after 2018 was was the beginning of my um, journey to self-freedom and expression and um, both in my sexuality, but in my full identity. And as that started to unfold, these songs started to make more sense, but I still didn't have a place for them to go. I said, okay, I'm clearly trying to say something here, but you know, the band that I'm in, this isn't really part of what we do. And certainly um, the community that hears that music would not probably receive these songs very well. So, so what do I do? And it wasn't until 2019 um, when I had a strong desire to move from my home in New England and I, uh, Nashville actually kept on coming up in conversation with people. I had a couple of contacts that were here, said Nashville's a great place to be. And I went for it. I just said, you know what, if I don't do it now, I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And so I packed my bags. I found a job actually uh, that was down here. They hired me within. It was about a 10-day hiring period wow. uh, from, I had three, three Zoom interviews back to back, and it just went, uh, it, you know, it was kind of one of those meant-to-be moments, mm -hmm. um, not to be cliche, and so I just came down, packed my bags, came, came to Nashville, started working, and in that time frame, uh, some emotional things happened, some really sad, tragic things in my mind happened between me and my bandmates where... Um, the band had a, had planned to come down to Nashville with me and through a series of unfortunate and, and shouldn't be events, um, you know, they didn't come. And so what was left was me here in Nashville uh, in a brand new life, in a brand new state, experiencing things I'd never experienced before and also didn't have the band that I had grown up with anymore and so my self-expression through music I had to navigate again I had to figure out how I was going to do that and how I was going to let people hear it and it took me a little while I mean it took me uh, several months to really feel like I could move on again um, because I was so hurt um, but you know during that time of dark loneliness and it really was that I went back to my computer and I started listening through some of these songs again that I had written and one of them of course was Fire in the Flood and that song I wrote um, to myself because I knew that that song would be useful one day to help me feel courageous enough to come out to everyone and to not care um, about the consequences of coming out. And so that's where that song came from. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I found a producer actually through a mutual friend here in Nashville. And uh, we went, we met each other. And uh, I showed him this song. We talked for eight hours 
It was the longest time, man. <laughs> Eight hours. It was the longest I've ever spoken with anyone in my life in a single sitting. And uh, and so anyway, he loved the song. We just connected on so many levels. And uh, he said, I can do something with this if you want. And I said, let's do it. And that birthed the song. And I was still kind of figuring out what my name was going to be, believe it or not. Yeah. When the song came out, I still didn't even know how I was going to brand it. And um, coming from Ori, um, my legal uh, birth given name is Gregory. And most people uh, know me, I guess, personally as Greg, and that's fine and that's good. But I had always loved my full name. And uh, I, I think when this time kind of came through, I, I needed a symbol. I needed a way to show people um, that things were a little different, but not so different that they didn't recognize me. And so I decided to give highlight to the part of my name that had been missing for so many years. And that was the Ori. That's so cool. <laughs> it is. I was, I was trying yeah. to remember where it came from. And it's awesome. Yes. That's where it came from. So originally we had, um, I went to a marketing team after I had like this epiphany and said, this is what I want to call my music now. This is the brand that I want it to be under. And um, so I went to a marketing team, worked with them. They loved it. They thought everything about the story behind the name and, and the spelling and everything was great. They just wanted to change it, make it a little bit more unique. And so instead of O-R-Y, which is how my name is spelled, we just switched it a little bit. We did O-R-I and um, give it a little accent. And um, I loved it. We were, we were so excited. So the package was rolling up. And so this is, this is how Ori got built. And it wasn't actually until several months later. So Fire in the Flood had already released in June. So I would say, um, I would say, it wasn't several months, I'm sorry. So about a month later after Fire in the Flood released, uh, I was talking to a producer in Tel Aviv and uh, he loved the song. He found me on Instagram and just wanted to chat. And he said, so your name, he's like, do you do, do you know Hebrew? And I said, no, I mean, I know some, I know some Hebrew, some Greek, but I'm not, don't even ask me to start a conversation or to even discuss it in full detail. And he said, well, I just wondered because I really like your name. And I said, well, why do you like my name? And he said, because it means light in Hebrew. No. And I thought you chose the name for that reason. Yeah. Whoa. It's true. It's true. And I just kind of froze and I said, I just can't even believe what you're telling me right now. Like, this is what it means. And he said, yeah, it means light. And uh, from that point on, it just, everything kind of clicked, right? It was almost this, this, uh, you know, surreal uh, slow motion moment when just all of a sudden the pieces started to fall together and like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, Jessica. I mean, this is, this is part of my purpose, which I had just wondered about for so long, if I was ever going to be able to get here and I was ever going to be able to be free enough, but also just to cast light where light is needed. And so that is, again, that's part of how Ori got built. And that's, that's what took me here. I mean, that was a fast forward version, but from 2017, to 2019, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, from 2007 to 2019, it's just been an amazing unfolding, um, a little bit miraculous in some ways uh, when we start talking about more of my background, but nonetheless, I am here and I'm really, really proud that Ori can stand for hope and light um, 
and just positivity in a world that so desperately needs it. culmination of your journey in this point like right now where it's like everything <laughs> that you've gone through and experienced has come to Ori and it's like this is what you were made for in this very moment it's very you, cool you took the words out of my mouth Jessica I mean I think I wake up every single day since I've been here in Nashville and I wake up so incredibly grateful I don't think I ever had the same I knew what the word grateful meant. I could define it, but I don't think I ever truly felt very grateful. And, and I think the reason why was because I couldn't push out all of the other emotions that I had felt, the emotions of shame or the emotions of fear or the emotions of, um, you know, you know, self-loathing or, or things like that I, that I had gone through. And so to actually be grateful, to actually put your arms around the good, the bad, the ugly, however you want to define those things and just say, this is me and this is where I'm supposed to be. I, I don't think I had ever gotten there um, until 2019. And so it's shaped my life. I mean, it's changed everything. It's changed the way that I see the world. It's changed the way I look at myself. It's changed the way that I get into relationships um, now. I, I, it's, it's, truly been an all-encompassing, um, all-immersing experience that I've been through. And that's something that I want for other people too, you know? So I know that this is more or less my journey, but my hope is that in everything that I do and everything that, that I've made as an action in my life, someone else can say, hey, you know, if he can do it, I know I can do it too. And that's, that's really what I want to be. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, so you've talked about how you've come to this point, but can you tell me a little bit about your backstory? Um, like how, yeah. like how did you, so you grew up in New England and you, you got into a band, but a band that exists for 10 to 12 years is obviously moderately successful because bands don't just, <laughs> so can you tell me how all that happens in your own version? I love it. I love it. You're, you're so, so right. And I would even say the half-life of a band in New England is even shorter um, than, than most averages. <laughs> it's, it is not easy. You know, okay, so in New England, I'm from the state of Maine. And so for those who aren't very familiar with geography, Maine touches Canada. So we are, we are one of the neighboring border states. And so, um, it's, it's up there, right? We're, we're pretty far removed from most other civilization. I don't think you'd ever go to Maine 
um, if diversity is something that you crave. But um, nonetheless, it is home. <laughs> and it was home. And I still look at it truly as where I had my 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 roots and, and where I'm from. I think that's a very important part of my story. I begin with that just to say it, my culture was, was pretty um, uh, controlled. And so I grew up in a um, small town, probably population 5,000 town. Um, I was homeschooled. Um, I come from a great, great family. I had wonderful parents. I had four siblings, so two brothers and two other sisters. And um, I just remember only only good things about the nurturing love of my parents. And um, my mom homeschooled us faithfully. I mean, she really, she really dug into that and, and helped us. And so um, we were also part um, of, of a church and, and a faith that we were probably what I would say most people would call evangelical um, Baptists. And up there, you know, it's certainly, um, it, um, it's a denomination that is full of wonderful people um, and sometimes very little wiggle room on um, theological topics. Uh, and so um, it, it was a very controlled environment and I never felt externally like I was missing out on anything. I, my, you know, my parents made sure that we were part of 4-H community groups and we were in church whenever the doors were open and that we made sure that, you know, we had friends that could come over for sleepovers. And, you know, I never felt like I missed out on anything externally. I had everything that a kid should have in or want. Um, but I was terribly, terribly um, broken inside and I didn't have anything I didn't have close to anything that I needed for answers internally and um, so I grew up in this environment that just really didn't create space for me and I I would say that this does from predominantly stem around my sexuality um, and self-confidence I've, I've now come to grow those two things together because I realized that until I was confident in my sexuality in my identity of my orientation I didn't have the fullest self-confidence. And so um, for me, I realized that I was gay from actually a very early age. Um, I mean, I remember just kind of being cognizant of it, uh, probably as early as you are cognizant of something like that. I don't know if that's the age of seven for some people, or it could be 10 for others or something like that. I just remember that being the fact for me. I also knew that it was a fact that in my world of belief that it was not okay for me to be this way um, or for anyone else to be that way. And so I grew up watching people before me, older kids um, that grew out of my church and my faith. Um, I, I saw them either come out as gay later on and I just watched the, um, you know, the unloading basically that happened on them um, in those times. And I, it scared me. It really, really scared me, but also it pushed me deeper into myself so that I felt like I didn't have an escape. Um, I, I didn't know who to turn to. I, I certainly didn't want to talk to my parents about it. 
um, as wonderful as they were, you know, this is something that in the world of evangelicalism, if that's a word, um, yeah. you know, there there is no wiggle room on this subject, right? It is a black or white type issue. And so um, I just felt tied. I mean, chained to the wall. I could, couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I felt so much that life just wasn't even worth living that one day I had even planned to take my life. And there was a moment in that whole span of time where, um, you know, whoever you believe, if you believe in a higher power, or if you don't, that, that really doesn't matter in this case. I just believe something um, had stayed my hand. And uh, I, I now live as a testament to that fact that I could have not been here. And so now I am. And I believe that it's with a bigger, more bold purpose. I would say that in um, thinking of my timetable, um, in my early college years is when things started to really shape up that I couldn't live like it didn't exist anymore, like my sexuality didn't exist. And so I realized that I had never really looked into the issue myself um, through the lens of scholar um, you know, research. I had never done anything like that, um, to the topic. And so, um, it was probably around 2018. Again, this was the beginning of my, of my investigation into myself. Um, I started getting research books and, uh, Greek Hebrew thesauruses and different translations of the Bible, which was our religious text that we had used. Um, I started looking up commentaries and, you know, different books on other issues and, um, you know, trans uh, topics and, and just anything I could get my hands on because I had discovered that I was actually very isolated from any knowledge of that whatsoever. Besides the fact that it was wrong from my denomination standpoint, I had no other context by which to base an opinion. So I realized I need to get my hands on some of this stuff. So I sequestered myself away for about six months in study. And yeah, it was a long time. It was a long time and a lot of hours. And it was probably the best thing that I could have ever done because without it, you would not be talking to me right now. And what I realized at the end of six months, I just, I, I put it all on the line, put it 
all on the line and I came away completely, completely released. I came away completely freed, like someone had taken, you know, a two thousand pound weight off my chest. I, I just felt lighter. I felt, um, I cried. I mean, it, when it finally hit me, you know, because I really hadn't. It, it, I don't think it was even a day that like, okay, now I believe this. I don't think it ever happened that way. I think it, it slowly happened as I was able to understand it better. And when it, when it really hit me, I think there was a day where it did emotionally hit me. I just cried. And at the same time that I was feeling so free, I also felt extremely, extremely responsible because up to this point, I had kind of perpetuated the same ideology and supported an opinion of a denomination that I did not understand myself or why I even said I understood it. And so at that very point in time, after I had all this knowledge now, I felt very, very responsible that it was my task even my my job to go and help other people that might be feeling the exact same way and for me i've i found a great place um I, this is probably not very common when you talk and interview you know lgbtq people but for me i found it extremely easy to reconcile my faith and my sexuality i mean there wasn't even an issue for me and so um that is my own personal story. That doesn't have to be anyone else's. Um, and, you know, I'm still evolving too. But for me, during that time period, it, it didn't fracture the faith that I had grown up in. It actually, in some ways, had made it stronger. And so um, I, I definitely had more questions. I would never say that I came away from it <laughs> like, oh, this is this is perfect and the world is this way and, <laughs> yeah, and no, now I, I figured it out I do not mean to be disingenuous there I, I definitely to this day have more questions than I have answers um, but that is I've never felt more comfortable with not having the answers if that makes any sense and so <laughs> it's it has been a long long journey a long time overdue of getting here but again, I say this all to say, like, I am truly, truly, like, the last person that would ever really research something to that level. You know, I'm not a studious type of a person. I'm, I don't love reading, like, like, I don't love it like other people love it. So for me, if, you know, I can do that, and do that research, and, like, figure it out, and put a, a, a new, basis of belief together so that it actually yields life and that life is now worth living. I mean, anybody can do that. So it was a really big transformation. And Jessica, I tell you what, you know, if we had met 10 years ago, you would just think you're not even talking to the same person. I mean, you really would. You would just be like, this is not Ori. That's not completely not Ori. And uh, I'm so happy about that because I just feel like my, I can love people better. I can see things a little bit better. Mm -hmm. I can love myself better. Boy, that was something that 
that I never knew before is just how to love myself. But it's something that I needed to do and uh, something that I hope everybody can be inspired to do through my story. You're broken down and tired of living life on a merry-go-round And you can't find the fighter But I see it in you So we gon' walk it out and The God that you were taught about growing up and you growing up, how is that God different mm. to the God that you know now, if there's any difference? I would say it's a wonderful question, Jessica. The God that I know now compared to the God that I grew up with, the biggest difference is the removal of judgment and the removal of the word. I would say, in short, they're nothing the same. I mean, in short, I have, well, I had a conversation with a friend from back home, actually, after I came out, they messaged me on Facebook and said, hey, you know, saw your news and everything, just wanted to let you know. And by the way, Jessica, this is someone that went to my church. Oh, wow. So this was someone that went to my church. They they messaged me and said, hey, saw your news on Facebook. And, you know, I'm so proud of you and so, so supportive of you. And I've been, you know, closeted for this person had been closeted for 45, 50 Whoa. years, somewhere like that. This was a very, this was an older person. Yeah. And they, they wrote me and they said, you know, I'm still figuring it out, but I believe that um, the, uh, the, the God that is, is not much like the God that we've told. It, uh, I don't know how they said it, but like the God that is, is not very much like the God we were taught something like that and we raised we really just connected there on that day and I said well thank you so much for for just sharing this with me like I had no idea that this was you and um I would also agree with you that that the God that we know now is very very different from the God we were told to believe in and I know that because of part of this story that's unfolding I know that because of some of the ways that I've seen other people's lives and the way that I've looked at other um, 
you know, other nations and other cultures and other religions and other, how it all works together in some way. And that's what I mean is like, I just, I feel like there was a, there was a painting that was given to me growing up as a child. And we were told to study it. We were told to look deeper into it. We were told to emulate it. But it was a little bit of a, forgive the term, and I don't mean to be offensive necessarily, but like it was a little bit of a whitewashed God. Uh, and really accurate. It, yeah. yeah. And so it, it went, the more that I grew and the more that I started to like ask more questions, I realized this really doesn't fit into the picture of my reality. It may fit into the picture of some people's reality, but not my reality. I know. I know damn well it doesn't fit into the reality of, you know, nine plus billion people on the planet, everyone equal, everyone's so different. So, so how does this really work? And, and what is God? And, and how do we define God and, and or higher power, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say. So I've been on my journey, right? I've definitely been on, on my journey now. And I say, I say this, that at the end of the day, I come away feeling like God whoever God or this, you know, higher power powers are, I do believe that it has more to do with love than ever before. I truly do feel some type of spiritual draw to the fact that we are to love one another and love each other even better than we think that we can. And so, cause that's to this day, at this point in my life, I haven't seen anything that has more power than that. And even in my own life of coming out and seeing what love does and what love doesn't do. And so if we put more effort into love and, and, and the Bible, which again, this is like a total side note. Uh, we would talk about the Bible in probably a thousand other um, podcast, but in, in there's a there's a piece of um, a verse in there that says God is love, and I think it's John ten ten, and that verse has always stuck with me. And when I think about that and what love is and what love should be on this planet, I think yes, yes, there's probably no truer piece. Um, of that text that I would want to hold close to my heart than that. And so my, my, my truth is that I do believe God is love. And so I want my whole mission and my whole life to basically just radiate that. And uh, because that's what I needed. But mm, the, the problem is that a lot of people will say, you know, well, God is love, but love isn't always like what you want, what you need. Um, I disagree. I think it is exactly what you want and what you need. And so I, that's, that's what I want to do through Ori is to show people that I think it's always, you know, religion is, is a weapon. I, I really actually at this point in my life of Ori and what I believe about God, I don't really find myself to be very religious as people would probably use the word. Um, I would say I'm definitely more of the spiritual mindset, um, but I definitely don't adhere to 
any strict denomination. And that's not like, you know, if you do, that's fine. That's great. You know, and if that's something that you feel attached to, by all means, do that. Um, some people need that. Um, but for me, there was just so much confusion during that whole period of coming out and finding some of the answers that were very startling, but they also caused me to really have to rethink a few other things um, that I believed. And so at this point, you know, I definitely believe that I want love to be the centerpiece of everything that I do, uh, both physically, you know, spiritually, emotionally, everything wrapped around that. I, I truly can't get enough of love. And honestly, I never want to stop giving it. Brushing my hair, do I look perfect? I've forgotten what to do to fit the mold, yeah. me about you and and Ori um the artist is that you you are seemingly unafraid to just essentially give yourself and your heart to the world you say this is who I am you say I will talk about my music and Nashville I'll talk about faith and I'll talk about my orientation um and it's like a very holistic way of giving yourself to the world um, but when I saw that, I was also struck by the fact that that can also, I, I imagine, correct me if I'm wrong, it can um, sometimes maybe make it harder to find your people or find a place mm. to belong. And I'm thinking particularly of when I lived in Nashville, there are parts where it's like mm. a melting pot and really accepting, but there are also other parts mm. where the Southern Baptist really comes in and the, the mm -hmm. strict evangelical comes in. Um, so how, how do you, mm. how do you continue to embrace your fullest self and be your fullest self, uh, knowing mm. that, that there will always be opinions about who you are, which I mean, honestly, there really shouldn't be, or just you, but how do you continue <laughs> to embrace your fullest self in an environment mm -hmm. where you are continually questioned? Yeah. It's a wonderful question. I think I'm learning it. So yeah, I've only been in Nashville a little over a year now, right? And so I, the culture has been something to get used to. Believe it or not, and this, <laughs> I think the reason I'm able to do it better than most is that the environment that I grew up in, believe it or not, was a little more intense. 
Wow. And so uh, for that reason, I feel very well equipped <laughs> to be in a place like Nashville. And, you know, it's funny. Nashville wouldn't have been my first pick. You know, I really originally had plans to go to L.A. That's yeah. where I wanted to land. And for some reason, Nashville kept on coming up. And, and it kept on coming up. And then I got this job and it just went boom, boom, boom. Um, I met people here instantly, you know, just there was something very organic about me being in Nashville. And, and actually over the past year, I've really enjoyed it. The fact that there are some people here um, that are amazing. And I have truly met some, some of the best people I think I'll ever meet in the planet here in Nashville that are just so wonderful and full of love in the right kind of love. Um, and then there's all the, there's other people, right. That are not, and they're very abusive and um, I've met both. And I think one of the reasons why I'm here in Nashville is that there's so much work that could be done here. And I actually still believe in Nashville. I still believe that they're on the right road, but it's going to be a long road. And, and I kind of feel like, you know, we need some people uh, to do some time here, you know, just to, to dig in deep a little bit and start paving the way. Uh, one, one sad truth, Jessica, is that I've met some people here in Nashville that are wonderful, wonderful people, but they're, they're in prison. You know, they're, they really don't know how to come to face the fact of their truth of who they are and what their culture may think of them. And they're just not ready to reconcile those things and, and to see the fallout. And I'm, I'd love to see a day when they don't even have to yeah. here. And I know that some people might hear that and say, well, that's the pie in the sky dream. But I do believe it's possible and it's only possible if we know what we're meant to do and we stick to it. And so for right now, um, I would say Nashville found me really because uh, I really was going to go to L.A. Um, and just thinking about it long, longer term. Um, and I still may eventually. But my point is right now I'm in Nashville and I believe it's for a reason. And I do think having my music, which is very you know, my brand and everything, I'm very out there with my sexuality and, and faith and how those things mix. Um, but I think it needs to be. And uh, for right now, I am very comfortable with uh, the praise and the, uh, and the pain. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm very comfortable with that, which I never used to be. Um, I'm a nine. If you do the Enneagram, oh, anyone yes. who knows. Yes, <laughs> yes if you... Yep. Yep. I love the Enneagram because it taught me a lot about myself. I'm a nine, which is a peacemaker. So that typically means I don't want confrontation ever. And so for me to be finally at a place where I'm okay accepting people's um, encouragement, and I'm also okay accepting people's disapproval, it doesn't mean it changes anything for me. It just means I know now where I have to work and where I may have to work even harder. And one one thing that really stood out to me, Jessica, and I, sh I want to share this story with you because I think it's going to be very poignant for those who are listening. Mm -hmm. I was here in 2019 and in um, December of 2019, I went to a show uh, with a couple friends in Nashville. And this show at the time was 
pretty controversial. And when I got out of my Uber to go to the show this one night with my friends, we found ourselves in the middle of a protest. And on one side of the street, there were a lot of religious people that were holding up signs, picketing and saying things that you can only imagine. God's God hate fags. And, you know, it's, Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve, and all this kind of stuff. And they literally had a megaphone oh. that they were shouting to the people that were going to the theater on the other side. Keep in mind, I'm standing basically in the middle of the road at this time. They're shouting and screaming, and I just saw such animosity that it, it was it was overwhelming. I didn't speak. I couldn't speak. But then on the other side of the road, Jessica. There were the people that were going into the theater. There were some people that were choosing to stand there and basically fight fire with fire. And they were hurling their own type of insults back across the aisle to the other side. Lots of hand gestures, you know, lots of um, probably veiled threats of some kind. Um, and it just, to me in that moment, Jessica realized, I, I just said this in my head internally, I said, there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a better way. And so from that moment on, I knew that Ori had to show, show both and had to be comfortable with both. And it had to be bold and that it's not always going to be easy for people to hear, but it's the step in the right direction. It's what we need to be doing. And um, I, I often find that our biggest cause of strife in this world is just misunderstanding. We don't understand each other. We don't listen. We don't listen well. And that's why my mantra for Ori, yeah, I even write it on my Instagram, is to um, uh, love hard, listen well, and stand out. That's it. I mean, that's it. Love hard, listen well, stand out. And, um, and that's what I want to do here in Nashville. And I think that, that I am doing that because, let me tell you, it ain't very common to be a gay pop singer in Nashville, Tennessee. <laughs> it's pretty rare. no other option but for you to be you 
I um I just feel like it's so important just to recognize like your continual bravery to step into that space every day and just be you mm. and not diminish yourself in any way. Um, thank you. Thank you. That's thank something you. that I could never fully comprehend, but um, as someone who lived in it, that I, for a while, thank you for doing it. Well, thank you. Now that's really cool. I didn't know. Um, tell me, how did, when did you live in Nashville? So, so I lived in Nashville, uh, 2018. Um, oh. and yeah, yeah. So I worked there. Um, I couldn't get a green card just because of visa stuff. Um, but so I worked there just doing freelance journalism, um, and loved it. I, I found, I was, it was sort of a bit, bit like you sort of everything just led to Nashville. Um, I'd, I'd mm. known that I'd wanted to go to the States for quite a while, but it just Nashville kept popping up. Um, and my, I found my people really quickly, which was really rare. Um, wow. and yeah, so I, it's an interesting town. Um, and I think mm. I actually started this podcast because um, I was I was so confused. I was like, I'm part of the church, but how do I love these people? Like, how do I do this? Mm. Um, and, and I was at a Good Friday service with Chris Tomlin singing, watching all these white people eating popcorn, <laughs> thinking, I bet you I know <laughs> who they voted for. I can't believe we believe in this. <laughs> I was so judgmental. And, and God was I love that. it. Jessica, I want you to like, I, you, he was like, you're one of those people, Jessica. And I was like, no, I'm not. He was like, yeah, you are. And so this podcast became a way for me to try and like figure out like the good in people and try to cross boundaries and try to figure out where I stood and not mm. become bitter and mean, basically. <laughs> so, mm. Mm. Oh, wow. So, this so resonates with me. That's amazing. Thank you. Wow. Wow. Thanks for letting me know that. Well, I, I'm just so grateful to have you on the podcast. You're, I, I, uh. <laughs> as, as a journalist, I, I just like, I just love to tell stories and to amplify stories. Um, and, yeah. and like yours, like every story is so important. Um, but I also know that there's an extra level of vulnerability to to sharing your story yeah. because of what you've been through um and i'm just yeah. really grateful for your courage and that you trust me this random person from australia I do. <laughs> I do i do trust you and um you you're just so professional you know and that really gave me a lot of ease right out of the gate and and i will say you know what good is a story if you can't tell it and what good is a is a change in your life a paradigm shifting change in your life if you can't tell others about it and so honestly i just look for any opportunity to be able to do this whether it's through my music or you know it's whether um through instagram or i'm you know uh plotting out now um storyboarding rather a youtube web series um, that i really want to do on this whole subject because i've had so many people reach out to me in DMs from Instagram or Facebook messages and just like, hey, so tell me more about this and tell me about that. So it's basically going to be a little bit more of like a mini web series of like, no worry. And um, basically everything from uh, my musical background to my faith and my evolution of that. And then also, you know, where I'm going. So anyway, we're just going to be doing a lot of that. So I appreciate you just reaching out and, and letting me share some of this because that's how the world changes, you know, exactly. yes. one, one story at a time. Um, last question, promise. If you could go yes. back 10 years 
and speak to yourself, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself? Just don't give a fuck. I mean, in some ways, I wish I just didn't care about what people thought of me. And I think that's the biggest thing. I really do. So much of my life I used um, to make others happy, which I don't, I don't, I'm not resentful of that, but I also made choices intentionally not to hear disapproval from other people. And I think that if I had started a pattern of making choices that were just right because they were right and not because I didn't want to be in confrontation or have an argument or have someone tell me you're wrong and this is why, I think I would have been in a much different place by the age of 30. But it took me 28 years to get there and that's okay. And you know what? For some people, it actually takes longer. Like that woman I spoke with from my church that sent me that message, she still hasn't even gotten there. So I guess I find myself to be the lucky one that I've finally gotten to the place where I am doing the right thing for me and it's actually producing freedom. But that's probably the one thing that I would tell myself, you know, looking back those years, just just don't care so much about what other people think. Be be authentic, be genuine, be loving. That's all. I fell on the eyes and the gravity it changed every atom in my brain. I thought I lost it. And every spark fell out of place. And every raindrop made a flame. No, I don't know how I ever got through this Somehow, maybe I'm born for this Fire in the flutter Signal sending up a Light from up above, above the waves Fire in the flood I'm not over, I'm not done I'm unfolding to the person that I mean has the lungs in there to breathe in time you'll discover all the power lives inside you let it rise no I don't know how I ever got through this somehow maybe I'm born for this if you loved Ori's music Uh, You heard today a few covers, but especially Tropic Thunder, which was just released. It's by Ori and Clever. I think I said it right. It's K-L-E-V-U-R. Yeah, it's called Tropic Thunder. Anyway, it's a jam. You can get that now. And you can also get Fire in the Flood, which is in some, it's it's sort of like his coming out anthem, but it's really like his heart. Um, Both are great songs. You can get them now. You'll also find links to all the tracks and the covers that you heard in today's show in the show notes if you would like to see them and find them on YouTube. Please go and connect with Ori. 
I feel like he is just on the start of an incredible journey. Um, he is a culture shifter in Nashville. He's a culture shifter in Christianity. God knows we need it. And he is just a good person um, who really a good homegrown musician who deserves your support. So if you liked what you heard today, please go and connect with him on Instagram at Ori the Artist. That's just Ori as in O-R-I. You will find his latest music on there as well as some covers and stuff. And let him know that you appreciated hearing his story today. Like he gives, there's so much bravery whenever anyone shares their story, but choosing to share it on a Christian podcast, like, come on, that's, that's unheard of, right? I know that episode was longer than normal, but honestly, you can't, (laughs) I just couldn't edit that out. It was, it was like every part of it was important. Uh, And even when I was sort of like finishing off a question, he just had more to give. Um, and because of that, thank you for sticking out the one hour plus of this conversation. It was so important and it was so life-giving, uh, and heartbreaking at times because I know, and we know that it is a lived reality that people are going through right now where they are suppressing their sexuality or denying it or, um, or people are being ostracized for it. Or people don't think that God is a God who loves people who aren't heterosexual. And that's just not the case. God is for everybody. He loves everybody. You can find that all over the Bible. Um, And it's heartbreaking because you know that not only do people feel that and they leave the church over it and maybe sometimes leave the faith over it, but it's one of the reasons that people who are identified as LGBTQ are more likely to attempt suicide. And that was actually like the key issue that was a turning point for me. If you've had this conversation and you are resonating with Ori, with our friend Greg, if you need help, please, please reach out. There's actually this terrific organization based in the US called The Trevor Project. It is for youth who identify as LGBTQ, questioning as well. Um, They have a website plus a helpline. You can text them online or through your phone. Um, And if you are in a place where you know that you're LGBTQ plus or like you're questioning or you just have questions, please reach out to them. Please, please reach out. You can still access other like lifelines if you want, and I will give you the numbers for them. But the great thing about the Trevor Project is that it's specifically for people who identify as LGBTQ. So it addresses that. It understands that. It, it comes from such a place of empathy and empowerment. And um, that's so important. So if you would like to visit them, just go to thetrevorproject.org. That's Trevor, like T-R-E-V-O-R. They are brilliant. You can also call them 24-7 in the US on 1-866-488-7386. If texting or online messenger is more your style, you can also find details about that on their website. If you are in Australia and you're questioning and you and you would like some support right now, please call Lifeline on 13 11 14. And for all our friends in other countries, we know you're out there. We love you and we see you. 
please go and visit our friends at To Write Love on Her Arms. They have a phenomenal find help page um, which lists international resources and lifelines and numbers uh, and some like specific resources as well for people in the LGBTQ community. So just go to twiloha.com. That is T-W-L-O-H-A.com forward slash find dash help. All those links are in the show notes. So don't stress if you didn't hear it, but you can literally just scroll and click and go for it. Um, You deserve to be yourself. You deserve to be loved, to be heard, to be safe, to be whole. And you deserve a life that is full of joy and hope, like the one that Ori has has so bravely forged for himself so if you need support to get there or just to make it through this moment please reach out so if I can be honest with you guys um Jessica seven years ago probably even less wouldn't have recorded this interview Uh, and that was because she was very confused and scared about what sexuality outside of heterosexuality meant to God and to the church and what was right and what was wrong um like Greg I grew up in a conservative church it was for me growing up it was just a given that that being gay or bi I didn't even know what being bi was but but anything outside of the norm was wrong and that was I backed that up I remember researching it I literally remember researching it in the bible and I were praying about it. It was only in 2013 when I went to write Love on Her Arms that I started meeting people who were part of the LGBTQ community, friends, uh, other writers, that I started to notice the homophobia in myself. And I don't know if I would have called it homophobia at the time. Um, I just would have called it I don't know, sticking to my Bible-based beliefs. But now I see that there was prejudice in my views um, and prejudice that I still notice sometimes. It's so embedded in me. I didn't realize it was abnormal and not of God. Um, but I think that one of the changes for me was that when I went to write Love in Her Arms, that the LGBTQ community, they are far more likely to attempt suicide or to die by suicide than anyone else. And as someone who's passionate about mental health and has gone through my own mental health journey, I couldn't not see that. And that's when it's, that was when it was like, I can't just put a blanket solution, what I thought was a solution, or quote-unquote treatment over homosexuality or anything outside of heterosexuality because I realized people were losing lives over this. And that tells me that the way that I was responding to this or even just choosing to be ignorant about it and the way the church was responding to this and the way our society has responded to this is that we are doing something wrong because people are hurting and dying. That was when my mind began to shift and it was less like, literally less like these people are doing evil to these are people just like me who I can love and learn from and who deserve a full capable loving beautiful giving life I didn't realize the homophobia was in me until I saw people as people 
and I'm very grateful for a handful of people in my life who have shown up, who um, identify as gay or bi or trans um, or gender fluid, who have literally just shown up and been themselves to me with love and grace. Their presence has changed my heart and my mind for the better. They didn't have to do that, but they did. And that is a gift that I'll never be able to fully repay. The other reason things began to shift for me, um, I'm trying to figure out how to talk about this. Um, Because in the past, when I have talked about my sexual identity, I've been silenced um, and very hurt by people in the church. That's not talking about anyone in particular. That's just a broad statement. And I also really don't want to tokenize Ori. I don't want to do that. It can't just be like one episode and move on. Look, we tick the box. No, that's not how it works. Um, But one of the reasons that I wanted to, for lack of a better term, tackle, tackle the topic of sexuality in the church is because um, is because since I was eleven, um, for a long time I I use a term wrestled with my sexuality, um, and that's not to say that people who go on to identify as LGBTQ plus wrestle with their sexuality. Some people just know, like Greg just knew, right? Um, but I found for myself from the age of about 11 that I was wrestling with it and it was because I was wrestling with sexuality in any form I grew up at the tail end of the purity culture and true love weights movement it meant that I was terrified of males it meant that I was terrified of growing into a woman it meant that I was terrified of even talking about attraction to anybody like even schoolyard crushes I wouldn't talk about it the trauma of growing up in this such a like suppressed sexualized sexualized church meant that I felt so inhibited that I didn't understand anything that was going on in me and I didn't know how to sort it out like or find an answer if I'm honest with you it was only at the end of 2017 that I finally resolved that I was 27. This isn't a coming out story from me. I I identify as heterosexual. I'm cisgendered, so I identify as as the gender female as I I was born with. Um, And I've now realised that a lot of my own journey um, with my own sexuality comes from religious trauma and my own stuff, um, but is also for me personally, a symptom of obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, and it's, it's a really specific like strain of OCD, uh, that's, that just makes you unable to rationally identify what your sexuality is. Even if, even if you're sure, I knew that I was heterosexual, but I was, I was so afraid of my religious upbringing and of this 
God who was about right and wrong and about being turned away by people I loved that um, it was just a it was for a while it was a it's just not possible like I just can't be this I just can't I just can't be gay and then as I got older I was like well if I am then I am and um, I had a conversation with my parents when I was 15 and I said to them I don't know if I'm gay and you know what my parents said my mum and dad said we love you they said we love you now I know my journey is very different to anyone who identifies as as LGBTQ and I don't even simplifying it in a, a group in that term feels really impersonal so please forgive me I know my story is different. I know I carry so much privilege. Um, I know that my struggle was actually a reflection of my anxiety and my trauma rather than an expression of my true identity. I know that. Um, but that experience showed me what I had to lose, the privilege that I carried the inclusion that I that I was part of, the community that I was part of, the thing that, like the fact that I could take for granted that I could walk into any church anywhere or go up to any Christian anywhere and they just wouldn't question me. They wouldn't argue with me. They wouldn't tell me I wasn't worth loving or that I had to live a celibate life. And that experience, in addition to the fact that I started travelling, showed me that I needed to live with more compassion and I needed to listen to the voices of my brothers and sisters who identified as lesbian, gay or bi or trans or gender fluid or anything else. Because just because I, I, I'm not doesn't mean that I shouldn't love them and consider them as equal to me. The scariest part about, about this, um, and I realise I have a lot less to lose than other people, is that Saying that you have wrestled with your sexuality or talked about it or have an alternative view to the very standard being gay is evil means that doors will shut on you in evangelical culture. And that's heartbreaking because God is a God of open doors and there is room for discussion and movement and flexibility and compassion and sincerity and room to learn from each other even when we disagree about things but I don't think I'm the only one who's gone through this and I know that there are millions of people more who who are LGBTQ who have come out or or are waiting to come out or are not sure if they ever will be able to and my strange very strange experience showed me that I need to be open so that's where this episode comes in and I'm grateful to Ori for opening a door and being willing to talk thank you thank you so much Greg it was a really really big privilege 
Guys, if you would like to connect with me on social media, you can find me at Jessica K. Morris. You'll find a link there to my latest episode that I did uh, with our friends at Anthologies of Hope. I talk all about depression and anxiety and traveling. Um, my diagnosis when I was 13. It was a good episode, very deep episode, but a good episode. So you can find a link to that on my Instagram. You can also connect to us at the podcast at Between You Me Pod. You will find links to all our socials there, as well as upcoming episodes, playlists, blah, 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 blah. You get the idea. You can do it all there. And to make sure that you get next week's episode in your inbox, is that what you call it when a podcast comes in? I don't know, but whatever your podcast comes in, do me a favor, go there now and press subscribe or follow. And then while you're at it, can you please give us a review? Thank you. That really means a lot. That is all for this week, but I'm very excited for next Friday when we speak to some friends who are a married couple creating their own music, the Robertsons. I can't wait for you to hear their story and about how they started facilitating worship, not just as a song or a genre, but as a lifestyle in their family. Um, And we tackle questions about how to raise your kids as Christians without shoving things down their throat. It's a good conversation. They're good people. So I will have that for you next Friday. In the meantime, thank you. Here's to hope. You bring peace to the war inside us. Your name.